you are an entrepreneur, a professional, a speaker, or a coach, and although you've come a long way, it's time for you to take it to the next level. We've got you. This is the Author to Authority Podcast. We'll help you use authority and influencer marketing to build your business stronger and faster by publishing a book. You'll hear from guests that are thought leaders in sales, marketing, networking, communication, social media, promotion, and business leadership. Let's do it. This is the Author to Authority Podcast. And now your host, the extraordinary word ninja, Kim Thompson Pinder. Welcome to the Author to Authority Podcast. And if you've ever been curious about how to create content that converts, you want to listen to today's episode. I want to welcome Tom Ruich to the show. He's a consultant, content marketing expert, and founder of Story Power Marketing. He's a digital marketing pioneer who founded the email marketing software and services company MarketVolt in 2001 before most business people had even heard of email marketing. Wow, 22 years ago. Yeah, like, I mean, that was that was barely, emails were barely a thing, let alone marketing. But today, he coaches, today, coaches, consultants, and other experts hire Tom to power up their stories because most dish out the same old boring content mm. that turns off prospects, and then they feel frustrated and stuck. So Tom helps them transform content from boring to brilliant, turn marketing from frustrating to fun, and convert results from pitiful to profitable. And that was just a delicious set of words. Welcome <laughs> to the show, Tom. Thank you, Kim. Yeah, thank you for, for gobbling up those words and enjoying how delicious they were. I get a little alliteration crazy sometimes, but there's a lesson in that, that, that wordplay, rhymes, alliteration, things like that are memorable people the people tune in and and they they uh they weave their way into someone's brain so that's that's all part of the part of the strategic and tactical idea behind uh, great content okay we're not even two minutes into the show and you've already given a great hint and tip for content so thank there it you, is Tom. yeah they'll keep coming stay tuned <laughs> So, Tom, this is your first time on the Author to Authority podcast. I would love to share a bit more about your business story sure. and how you ended up starting Story Power Marketing. Yeah, I'd be happy to share that story. And it begins really back in 2001. We mentioned my email marketing software company called MarketVolt, which I founded in 2001. And what happened back then, because email marketing was so new and so many of the businesses who signed on and, and kind of understood, wow, this could be powerful, didn't really understand how it all works. So we often would have new clients come to us and say, great, now we have software to create, deliver, and track email campaigns. Sell us a list. And we'd say to them, well, you know, we're not going to sell you a list. We'll help you build a list. And they'd say, build a list? What, what do you mean by build a list? And <laughs> so we were all of a sudden talking about landing pages and improving your website and using lead magnets to draw people in and so on and so forth. And so around the email software company, we built an agency. And that agency was helping our clients with really all things marketing with a mm -hmm. focus on how do you get and draw in prospects who raise their hand, say, I want to hear from you by email, and then use email effectively to 
to transform followers, subscribers, prospects into clients. And the thing that we recognized over the 19 years that I ran Marketable is that when things aren't going well with the marketing and the and the client growth in a company, a lot of business leaders are very, very quick to blame the tool. Oh, I need a better email marketing engine, or I need a better social media management platform, or I need a better website content management tool, whatever the case may be. They're also very quick to look for a shiny new tactic. Ooh, teach me the greatest funnel. You know, I need a, I need a new trick. Yeah. Shiny object syndrome, chase those squirrels. And here's the thing that in our 19 years of running MarketVault and then you know many years since then, that we recognized as the number one factor that drives success in marketing. And that is the messaging, the content, the storytelling that you're putting out there. And the problem that so many businesses have is they feel as if the information that they need to share and that they choose to share Oh, they've got that down. You know, I know what I know. I I know what I need to say. You don't need, I don't need to talk about what I'm putting out there. I just need to talk about the tools and the tactics for getting it out there. Well, that's especially a problem for anyone who packages their expertise for sale to serve clients. That could be coaches, authors, professional service providers, lawyers, accountants, and, and so forth. Anyone who has valuable information, that, <clears throat> pardon me, that is their stock and trade, what they tend to do is share valuable information. So the business coach will put out a blog post about here are five tips to delegate better. And the, and the financial planner will put out content that is here are tips about the difference between a traditional IRA and a Roth IRA. And the problem is that information is not enough. Information alone is a commodity. Even if you believe that your approach to delegation or your approach to Roth versus traditional IRA is somehow special, nobody is really tuning in if it's information only. You have to combine information with something that is entertaining, captivating, relatable, story-powered. And so... As I spent more time consulting with clients, not just providing software for them to market with, I was spending more and more time talking about how to power up your stories, how to create better content that draws prospects in, that makes them say, oh, you get me. I want to learn more. And when I sold the software part of my business in 2019, I hung a shingle, effectively rebranded the consulting that I was already doing and had been doing for many, many years as story power marketing. And and when you introduced me, you you talked about it. Really what we're helping our clients do, authors, coaches, consultants, anyone who who wants to share their expertise with the world so that they get hired, we help them transform their content from really so much content that's prospect repelling and turn it into content that's client attractive. Sorry there. I've got my office door closed and I guess the wind blew and it went bang, bang. And I'm like, okay. Oh, I didn't hear here? it. <laughs> I didn't hear it. You have a good directional mic that doesn't. Yes, I do. So, uh, if, if you're watching the video and you see me jump, you now know why. Yeah. <laughs> Just the ghosts in your office, Kim. Oh, uh, no, it's called pressure in the house is unbalanced. <laughs> I see. <laughs> Tom, I love what you just said there. And, you know, the first thing that struck me was all these people who just wanted you to sell them the list. Uh And I think even today, 
I think we still sometimes as entrepreneurs, we have that mindset. We want the easy way out. Just, you know, give me the software, sell me a list of people. I'll throw out my spam, see what sticks to the, mm-hmm. to the wall. But in today's society, I mean, that barely worked back then, but in today's society, it definitely does not work now. Yeah, I, I completely agree. And and you're in the business of helping business people grow their businesses, uh, build their authority through books and so forth. And and I, too, am in the, the business of the same outcome. And mm-hmm. I'm sure that you've experienced what I experienced. When you meet new prospects, business people who want to grow, so often the first thing they talk about is, I need leads. I need more people. I need more people. Show me the lead, show me the lead, sell me a list, sell me a list. And what they're failing to understand is that new leads, buying a list, hiring an SEO or a a pay-per-click or a Facebook advertising consultant to pour people into your funnel will only work if you have the back end of that process running effectively. And the back end of that process is all about how do you engage people once they raise their hand? Because very, very, very few people say, please to meet you, send me a contract. Yeah, that's not how it works. And so you have to understand how once they say, please to meet you, tell me more. How do you turn that follower into deeply engaged prospect and ultimately Mm. a client and then ultimately super client who's referring you to others, who's buying everything you sell, who's signing up for every program that you offer. And all of that has to do with your content marketing and how you're communicating with, with your clients. And so before you focus, where do I buy a list? How do I you know, run ads to get more people to my website. You need to focus on how are you going to communicate more effectively with them once they are in your world. And and that's where story-powered content really comes in. You know, one of the things that I teach my clients in the book writing process is yeah. one of the goals of the book is to create relationship. It's not just about giving information. It's it's about creating that relationship with the client so that when they're reading the book, they feel like, A, they know you, but mm-hmm. B, you know and understand them. Yeah, yeah. I'm and when so those good. two things happen and then you show that you can solve the problem, yeah, that's a winning combination that people go, I need to work with this person. Yeah, exactly. I'm so glad that you said that. There's a lot of buzz in the marketing world around storytelling. There are a lot of people out there talking about it and they talk about, you know, you have to you have to create your story and so on and so forth. And the thing that a lot of these so-called storytelling experts will get wrong and a kind of a myth that they perpetuate is that it starts with the story of you. And so you have all these people who are dishing out their grand origin story, talking about the garage where they invented the widget and the ditch that they clawed their way out of, or whatever the case may be. No one cares about. I was just about to say, who cares? (laughs) Yeah. No one cares about your story until and unless yeah. it reflects on their story. And so your point, Kim, is so important. And when we talk about storytelling in business, what we're really talking about are the prospects and the client's stories. Now, yeah. you can be a first-person character in the emails and the posts and so forth that you put out there, but those stories that are 
about you are not so much about you as parables about them, about your clients and prospects. The we have a we have a framework that we use to get to this called the three E framework for story discovery. Mm. And the first E is empathize. Listen. Yes. See them, hear them, watch them, understand what drives your clients and your prospects. What's keeping them up at night? What's frustrating them? What's the problem that they're trying to solve, the hurdle they're trying to clear? The second E is envision. Where is it that they want to go? What's the other side of the mountain? And sometimes they know and they can articulate that. Other times you have to help them envision. You have to help create that vision for them so that so that they can can understand now whatever that vision is has to align with some deep-seated emotion and desire that they already have we don't create desire in our clients and prospects all we do is tap the desire and then the 30 is enable the journey so we're looking at where they are we're looking at where they want to be and only then do we start talking about our products and services and how they can enable the journey or we recognize that our products and services aren't going to enable the journey and we happily walk away and say to that prospect or client you know you probably ought to meet so and so they can help you better than yeah. than i can so that that before to after, that understanding of that journey is really what it's all about. And if you're able to articulate that in your emails and constant or your book and constantly help your prospects uh, envision the journey where they're saying, wow, you get me. You said it right, Kim. You get me. You understand me. Then what they're going to do is they're going to lean in and they're going to say, how do we do this? How, how, how are you going to help me make that journey? And when a prospect is feeling that way or explicitly saying to you, how are we going to do this together? You won the battle. All of a sudden, sales is not I'm pitching and prodding and yeah. cajoling and persuading. Sales is about answering the question that the prospect is already asking or thinking. Wow, how do I get there? know exactly where I am and where I want to go. How do I get there? Well, I can tell you, I can tell you how I'm going to enable that journey. It turns the whole marketing process on its head, the sales process on its head. And that's what I mean when I talk about transforming marketing from frustrating to fun, transforming sales from frustrating to fun. Number one, you're not dishing out emails and and social posts and all that stuff with the same old boring blah, blah, blah. It's that's not really fun to write. If yes. you're having fun, putting some personality in it, making people laugh, sharing stories, that's fun. But what's really fun is talking to prospects who are feeling like, wow, you get me. How do we do it? That's where sales becomes fun and where the whole process becomes lucrative. Well, you just... Wow, you just shared so many golden nuggets there. I'm not even sure which one I want to start with yet. Uh, One of the things you said um, early in that part was people don't always know what their vision is, what their desire is. Mm -hmm. I think that is so true because sometimes you can't see the forest for the trees. Yeah. You You can't see past all these trees in front of you to even get a glimpse of what could be behind. Yep. Like right now I'm going through a whole 
uh, process. Now, probably by the time this episode comes out, because it's being recorded in July, probably by the time this episode comes out, it'll be October. Uh, I will have completed this process and I'll be talking about it. But mm-hmm. one of the things I'm working on this summer is putting together a whole new product line. Mm-hmm. And I'm actually working with specialists to do it. It's not because I don't know how, because I've been an entrepreneur long enough. I've studied marketing long enough. I mean, I understand all the concepts, but I couldn't get past my own trees. Mm-hmm. I needed an outside perspective to say, to guide me through the process and go, okay, here, here, Kim, here's, here's the things that you're missing. Right. Mm-hmm. And so it has been an amazing, uh, an amazing process of working with these people to create this whole new product line. Yeah. And it's allowed yeah. gaining me a lot of clarity that I've been looking for for the last couple of years. And and sometimes right. it takes time to find the right people to work with. But when you do, it is an amazing experience. So loved what you said because you, basically summing up what you said is all your marketing is about the prospect and it's not about you. Mm-hmm. If yeah. I, if I could sum that all up, yep. it's about them and their journey, not yours. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and what you were talking about with envisioning and putting the focus on the prospect and their needs is really well summed up in a story. I like to tell, mm-hmm. I like I to call BS on Henry Ford. So Henry Henry Ford was a great titan of industry, and there's a lot that people can learn from him. The fact that he was a bigot and an anti-Semite, let's put that aside for a moment. <laughs> but Henry Ford is supposedly said, if I had asked the people what they want, I would have been giving them, or I would have produced a faster horse. Yes. Now, now that is, in my opinion, um, just dead wrong. <laughs> people people cite that as permission to, you know, let loose with your own imagination and product creation vision and so forth. It's a great example of how visionaries lead the world. Well, okay, maybe. But let's apply the 3E framework to this let's let's empathize first and if you go to the marketplace that existed before the turn of the century and before henry ford was building his cars in the early 20th century what were they feeling what were they complaining about this is taking too long this is not comfortable i'm not enjoying getting rained on or dodging lightning bolts or being thrown uh, from my horse because of the Exactly, exactly. And so, you know, what the marketplace wanted was comfort and speed and reliability and the ability to go long distances and so on and so forth. And and if you if you talk about the envisioning side of that, so the things I listed were both about empathy and envisioning. What is it you want? What's the other side of the mountain? The people in his market might not have really been able to say, I want a vehicle that can carry me, you know, 100 miles as opposed to a horse that has to stop after, you know, however long or 200 miles. Uh, But 
they wanted to feel more comfortable, go further, go faster, and so forth. And Henry Ford knew that. You know, the the notion that he just was some grand visionary who didn't have his finger on the pulse of the market is garbage. He understood and paid attention to his market. What he was doing was actually expanding the vision of possibility, but still rooted in what the 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 client wanted and then saying, hey, what I can enable is actually faster, more comfortable, goes further than you might have ever imagined. But it's yes. still answering your your need. The great copywriter, <clears throat> Eugene Schwartz, he wrote a book called Breakthrough Advertising, and it's sort of a Bible for copywriters. And in that first page of the book, the very, very first page of this, of this thick book on copywriting, he talks about the fact that we do not create desire in the marketplace. We do not create desire in the marketplace. Our job is to understand and identify the desires that already exist in our prospects and our clients and then tap into it and then create marketing messages that speak to those desires and create products that enable the desire to be achieved. That's a really important and profound idea. And it's what we're really talking about here. You know, I love innovation. Yeah. But when you look at innovation from an entrepreneurial standpoint, uh, you know, I, I have not, nothing wrong with it, but from the entrepreneurial side, sometimes it takes years before this idea that you've invented, this thing really takes off. So yeah, mm-hmm. it's great. It's great for innovation is good. And I, I'm so thankful for it. But when you're looking at it from an entrepreneurial standpoint, you've got to be, if you want to be that innovator, you've got to be willing to pay the cost of all the years it's going to take to get that to the mainstream so that people accept it and use it. Yeah. I mean, even email marketing. I mean, you started back in 2001. People didn't even know that email marketing existed. You probably spent a lot of time trying to convince people that email marketing was the thing of the future and they should get down right. on it now. Right. Yeah. And, and you know, it's interesting because you're getting at is is a concept that marketers call market awareness. So mm-hmm. when I was starting market vault in 2001 it really was about you know what the desire in the marketplace was i want to reach more people more quickly i want to have advertising and marketing channels that uh, offer me more bang for the buck i want to break through noise i want to you know so on and so forth and so we were saying to them you know here is a new technology that can check these boxes for you. Great. As the years passed, everybody we were dealing with who was considering MarketVault understood the, the broad notion of email marketing and how it checked the boxes. The kinds of things that we were now talking about were avoiding headache and hassle, avoiding repeated effort. It was more procedural because people yeah. understood sort of the big why. Now it became why us versus big versus other email marketing companies. And we were, you know, beginning to talk more, not just about I have a 
technology, email marketing that can solve problems. It was, I have an email marketing solution with this set of features yes. that can solve this problem. Great, great example of that is it, this, this in many ways is sort of an origin story for me and, and my own storytelling. I, we had a client who was using another email software and her job was as the corporate marketing person to send out emails under the names of each of the 10 sales reps in the company. So John Doe and Bill Smith and Mary Brown and so forth each had a list and she made a newsletter that was the same for every one of the lists, except for the fact that came from sales rep name with a signature at the bottom, you know, call me at this number with the sales reps individual stuff. Well, the software that she was using required her to make the newsletter, send it from Steve Smith, make a copy of said newsletter, edit it, and change all the stuff, including the from name and the reply address and the stuff in the in the email, and repeat and rinse 10 times over. And that was a headache and a hassle. And what we understood and what we were having conversations about is how that made her feel. She didn't yeah. look forward to doing her email newsletter each week. It was a pain. She pulled her hair out doing it. It was distracting her and keeping her from other things that she wanted to do. She wished that she could have that 90 minutes back that it was taking her to do the 10x process. And once we were able to articulate her story, mm -hmm. she said, wow, yeah, you totally get it. You know, what's the point? Well, the point is we have a set of features that could enable you to sweep all that headache and hassle away. We're able to merge in the stuff, allow you to, with a click of a button, change the name of the sender and the reply address and, and merge in data. And she literally, when our sales rep introduced that technology to her, she literally jumped into his arms and gave him a, a bear hug, a tear streaming down her cheek. And I retold that story hundreds of times, dozens of hundreds of times, and sold a lot of email marketing telling that story. Now, let's get meta here for a moment. I just told you a story about me, but it wasn't a story about me. It was a story about all of you who are watching and listening, a story about, isn't it frustrating when you start talking about your products and your services and people shrug and say, so what? Wouldn't mm -hmm. it be nice for a prospect to say to you, wow, you really get what I'm going through. What's the point? The point is I have a product or service that could help you. And they are so delighted that they literally or figuratively hug you and, mm -hmm. and are customers for life. That is really, really powerful story. And telling that story over and over again helped me sell a lot of email marketing software. Well, we've got a few minutes left, so let's break this down yeah. a little bit. So, yeah. you know, first of all, it is your story, but it's not your story because you're telling somebody else's story. And I think that's, you know, it's people think they always have to tell their story. No, they don't have to tell their story. They can tell somebody else's story. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's important, too, to know. And the thing is, is you were using a client story, which is always mm -hmm. very powerful. I love how you broke it down. You gave you gave 
a framework for the story. So a little bit of the background, not a lot, just, just enough that we knew where the story started. But then you got into how she felt and the problems that she was facing. And I think that that's sort of a key part of storytelling is, you know, what problem was this person facing and how did they feel about it? Yeah, Because it's not just the problem. It's this, you know, 90 minutes out of her day that, you know, she has to spend doing something she doesn't like when she could be doing work that she really needs to be doing. Yeah. I love how that story broke down. Yeah. Uh, we've got about five minutes left, Tom. Yeah. Uh, do you have a few practical like hints and tips that you can leave the audience with? I mean, we've talked in very broad strokes, which has been amazing, but I always love giving a few practical little hints and tips as well. Yeah. So um, I'll start broad and then I can get practical. Number one is please remember that three framework, empathize, envision, enable. So many of the storytelling coaches and gurus out there try to make this thing way, way, way too complicated. Here's my nine step process, or here's the hero's journey framework. You have to remember the, all the different elements and writing an email is all about, you know, like writing a mini screenplay doesn't have to be that friggin' complicated. You know, when somebody talks about nine steps to create a business story, I think they're probably describing six steps too many. It just doesn't have to be so complicated. The the second thing, I want to share three story power principles, sort of guiding principles that we've already discussed, but I want to lay it out so that you can walk away <clears throat> from this episode remembering these. So number one is keep the focus on your prospects emotional journey that word emotional is so important how are they feeling frustrated the journey from frustrated to relieved the journey from stuck to unstuck the journey from frightened to confident mm -hmm. so on and so forth second keep it personal keep it personal and what i mean by that you know stories do this naturally no more lectures, third person, here is why delegation is important, blah, 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 blah. Put human beings into it, put some personality into it, and so forth. And the more that it's human and personal, the better, especially in this age of AI-powered robotic content. Mm -hmm. And the third thing is keep it simple. I already talked about that. I want to elaborate. As far as practical tips, one thing we've not talked about that I, I think would be important to share is the role of AI in all of this. Mm. Okay. A lot of people are talking about AI and wow, AI can write your emails for you and your social posts for you and so on and so forth. Here is, is big tip number one related to AI. Number one, do not ask AI to be your ghostwriter. Do not say, I want to write Amen. X, Y, and Z and press the button and boom. Now, here's, here's a big problem with that, among many problems with that. You want to get out there and write with a voice. You want yes. people to feel that personal connection. You want people to, when they read your book or when they read your email, to feel as if they know you and know, like, and trust you. Yeah. And look, you can ask AI to write with more personality or to try to mimic your voice. But the reality is that that people consciously or subconsciously, in a lot of ways, subconsciously see through it 
is worse yeah. because what happens is at some point, unless you're selling packs of bubble gum and low cost consumer products, if you are a B2B business person offering a service of any cost, you're going to be face to face or ear to ear over the telephone or screen to screen over Zoom with your prospects. They're going to see you or yes. hear you in person at some point. And if the you who is presenting at the time of selling isn't presenting with the same voice as the you who was presenting in emails and social posts, that disconnect will be yep. felt by the prospect and, and you're sunk. Second AI tip is do not ask AI to bring the facts to you, especially when you're doing market research. So for example, do not say, I am selling such and such widget. I'm trying to target blah, 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 blah people. And please tell me the emotional buttons that I ought to be pushing. Please tell, please empath, tell me how to empathize with these people or to envision what they need. Tell me who they are and what they need. AI is not good at that. AI, because it can't feel. They can't yeah. feel. So what it's going to do is scrape at the lowest common denominator. It's going to be dated stuff. There's a guy named Jeff Walker who has a, very famous marketing product called the product launch formula. And a few months ago, I saw a video where Jeff was talking about doing a project product launch. And in this video, he said, you know what? Every single time I do a product launch, I do market research from beginning to end over again. Yes. And the reason I do that is the mood and the feelings of my market, the people I'm trying to reach has changed. It changes year over year, certainly decade over decade, it changes week over week. And what what AI will give you is yesterday's sort of ordinary scratch the surface stuff. So bring stuff, bring the facts to AI, ask AI to interpret, ask AI to sort and sift, ask AI to help you generate other ideas, but don't ask AI to ghostwrite for you and don't ask AI to do the core, find the facts research for you. Wow. I'm not going to comment on that because we are out of time today, oh. Tom. I think we'll have you back to do another show because I think we can very easily continue this conversation. And I yeah. do have a lot of opinions as a publisher about AI, but we will not go into those today. We could do um, a whole episode about that, Kim. So I'll, yeah, exactly. I'll, uh... <laughs> Tom, we have about 30 seconds left. Can you, sure. if people have enjoyed this, how can they connect with you? Yeah, the best thing to do is go to storypowermarketing.com. All one word, story powermarketing.com. And when you visit the site, there's a button at the top or a pop-up will come up inviting you to join my email list. I practice what I preach. You'll learn by reading when you get my mm -hmm. infotaining emails. And then also look for the resources link on the website. There are free trainings, a short video, a download about Hall, Hall of Fame story-powered advertisements, all sorts of ways to begin to learn the journey. Find me also on LinkedIn. My name is Tom Ruich and R-U-W-I-T-C-H. I'm the only one on LinkedIn. So, and, and I, I also welcome anyone who hears this to email me. 
you email me at tom at storypowermarketing.com. I'm not going to dish it off to some assistant who's going to give you a stock. Oh, yeah, Tom's not available. Reply. I will reply. Let me know that you heard me or saw me on Kim's podcast, and I would be happy to answer your questions and, and begin a conversation with you. That is awesome. Thank you so much. This has been Tom Ruwich and Kim Thompson-Pinder on the Author to Authority podcast. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you on the very next episode. Bye now. You've been listening to the Author to Authority podcast. The extraordinary word ninja, Kim Thompson-Pinder, has helped over 200 entrepreneurs, professionals, speakers, and coaches write and publish their books that have become incredible marketing tools for their business. And many of those have gone on to become Amazon best-selling authors and have used their books to land high-level clients and get on big stages. We hope you've enjoyed the show. Make sure to like, rate, and review. And we'll be back soon. But in the meantime, hit the website at www.author2authoritypodcast.com. See you next time.